This week, we'll talk about building a data team for making decisions with data. And we have a special guest today, Temi. Temi is the chief of data at Platinum Milon. Did I pronounce it correctly? Yes, Platinum Milon. Perfect. Which is a digital sex toy brand that empowers people to break taboos on sexuality and together with your passionate and creative team, they infuse data analytics into companies' day-to-day -day operations and decision-making. Tami is also a co-host of a podcast. The podcast is called Data for Future. And I was recently also interviewed on that podcast. So yep. yeah, I think we, we talked about many different things, including Data Talks. Mm -hmm. um, so Data Talks Club, so check it out. So that's a really cool podcast. And uh, Tami interviews people who are in the field of data or sustainability. Um, yeah, so but, uh, the topic for today is building data teams. And before we go into our main topic, let's start with your background. So can you tell us um, a few words about yourself? A few words. Yeah, <laughs> about your well, career so far, yes. Yeah, and I, like... I, I think I wanted to also welcome you to the podcast i think i haven't uh, welcomed you so welcome tammy and, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. very nice to see you again and uh, working together with you for another podcast yeah and well a brief introduction about my background how did i get into data right i i was studying in the states with a undergrad degree of business and then carrying that i worked one year in silicon valley bay area where i really get into I get to know a lot of people who work for big tech companies. They talk about data, technology, AI, and I see the sparkle in their eyes, how passionate they are about their job. I, that got, really got me intrigued. And after reading some books, research, that landed me to Spain, Barcelona, to do my master in big data. So from there on, my data career started. I first worked with a Spanish unicorn, Global. It's like a delivery company, almost like Uber Eats. And uh, with the company growing, I was dedicating into analytics to support different departments. Then from there on, I joined forth with Platinum, where starting from zero, I started by being the only one in the data team and uh, gradually to prove the power of data analytics, the amount of insights we can contribute to the business, to the team. And then little by little, now we have a growing team of five people. Okay, so you, you started as the first uh, data person. That's, that's really yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. So what do you do as chief of data? Well, that covers a lot. As I mentioned, I really grew my position from ground up. So at the beginning, I was doing a lot of hands-on work myself. These days, I'm doing less and less, but um, our functionality really covers a lot of aspects of the business from one of our biggest parties, marketing, right? If you work for, uh, our nature is a communication marketing with the e-commerce. So communication marketing, whenever you do campaign communication, you always want to measure your performance because what measured got improved. And then among the, all the marketing channels that we are using, it's also important to compare against each other to see which channel brings the most efficiency, the first CAC, the most, the least CAC. So this kind of marketing attribution model and is something we're working on. But I have to say as uh, the nature of our company, because 
when we do publish on, for example, Instagram, Facebook, social media, if the link with one click can review a sex toy, we cannot really do a, like announce use advertisement. So with that being said, a lot of our job of being analytics is quite tricky. So we are very creative about how to identify different data sources and try to merge and mesh them in different ways to serve our purpose and to make the best educated, educated guess. And on the other side, we also care a lot about the business operation. Since you, know, you have an e-commerce going on, how much prediction of orders coming in for each product every day is very important to have an estimate then comparing with our inventory in the warehouse. So with this data to the data side combination, we also give business like, okay, we are gonna be out of stock in one month. We need to start purchasing this kind of operational side. We also help. Then on the business side, day-to-day performance monitoring, the, we are very like web e-commerce driven. So the performance of the traffic and different product performance, um, conversion, our Shopify yeah, portfolio, all these we are touching up on as well. Then I want to introduce the last last aspect that we are going that's to focus not, on. That's not all, so you have even more. Yeah, there's a lot. I just, just one more project I'm really excited about is as we are very customer centric and we want to understand and listen to our customer better and better. So we are trying to do a lot of social listening and customer survey. And this kind of non-big data-ish data analytics, we are also doing it. Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot. So marketing, then uh, demand forecasting, and then social listening. So mm-hmm. three main uh, approaches, right? What was your first project that you started with as a, the only data person? Was it marketing or something else? It's more about business of health monitoring uh-huh. it's about building dashboard if you think about you help an organization to start data analytics the most low-hanging fruit is actually deliver them like a timely monitoring about the business health and what do i mean is we have various data sources that are very important to us our web traffic how many traffic is coming every day does it go better or worse one day or the other because of our market campaigns? And does our web traffic conversion change from day to day because we change the web design, introduce new product, so on and so forth. So I started collaborating with CEO and the different departments. So instead of once a week or once every month, everyone struggled to find the information and putting together a PowerPoint presentation and spend a lot of time on it. I showed them by connecting the source and the merging them well, we can discover a lot of rich information, but and then we can check it on the minute, on the go. No, that's cool. So uh, people in the company, they realize it's very difficult to find information they need, especially yeah. when they want to prepare reports like PowerPoint presentations. Mm-hmm. And this is how they came, uh, this is how they realized that they need to hire a data person who would help them connect all the different data sources in such yeah. a way that uh, they're just yeah. like one click away, right? I would say it's a little bit the other way around. Okay. It's more about the management realize, okay, we do have the need. Everyone is talking about data and to grow further for the company, maybe something we need. But people only in the department who is producing report day to day, they don't really, they didn't realize that data can help them. 
is more about, I remember at the beginning, I, I, I need to approach each department lead or people in the job functionality. I say, hey, you know, like you may, what about you introduce me your day-to-day workflow? And is, especially when you're doing reporting and performance measurement, what do you do? And then I propose them, why don't you work with me? And then we can help you to produce an automatic uh, reporting, which will get more information, more in-depth analysis about what is going on and how the performance is going. So I actually need to convince them a little bit in the beginning, because whenever you want to set a you know, set the dashboard connecting a data source, you need collaboration from the team to get the data and help them to change their working flow and habit, which is can be challenging sometimes, but sometimes people are very collaborative once they discover this actually bring a lot of value to them. I'm wondering, did you get any resistance uh, initially? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are some projects, you know, is for the bigger picture of the company. It doesn't come to the pinpoint of each individual. And you say, hey, actually, we need each team to offer us or be careful about this data. And you, you require extra, extra labor for everyone, but they don't see the benefit directly sh- shedding light on them. So this kind of effort is a little bit difficult. So it's about uh, making sure that the quality of data is good, right? That, that yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, because the, the, these uh, uh, people, these teams were producing some data, right? And, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, some, yeah, sometimes it's the world is not ideal. Like you cannot stream all the data and automate everything. And unfortunately, like we're trying to reduce the amount of spreadsheet we use as much as possible. But many cases it's proven that that's the best way to collaborate with such a business driven company. So the management realized that uh, the way uh, uh, people are creating reports is not the most optimal way. And then they heard that the data analytics can help uh, or data in general. And then this is how they realized they need to hire somebody. They hired you and you started by talking with uh, every department, understanding what they are doing there, uh, what kind of data they need or what Mm -hmm. kind of data they create. And then, uh, well, yeah, you convinced them. You showed how useful that was, right? And uh, the first thing was, uh, you said, business monitoring, right? How well yeah. uh, the company is doing, how, what happens after a change? Does it lead to, you know, drops in traffic or increases yeah. in traffic and things like this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what happened after that? Like uh, you said, yeah. you, now there is a team of five people. So how did you... Uh, arrive at the point when you needed to, to hire the first person? Yeah, it's been it's been a journey, actually. So as I introduced in the beginning, the low-hanging fruit is the dashboard. And then you realize the team understand, ah, you actually can solve many things for us. Then they come up with more and more questions and the requests. And certain questions and requests, they definitely go out of the dimension that the dashboard could cover. So what we do is we need to create web apps or models to be able to help business make decisions and solve their doubts. And one of the things is demand forecasting. That's not something, this is predictive. And then we need to start building model in-house. Building model means you need to have historical data Having historical data means you need to have a data warehouse where you can store the information and to stream it. Then you realize, okay, only having your historical cells doesn't help you with forecasting. To forecast, there is many factors to consider. 
right? There is like, depending on the product or what is your promotion event of the company. And as a, as a company that is so active every day, we have a lot of events going on. So it's like, you need to ask each department to give, give you data before they make the action. It's like kind of tell me what you're gonna do in the next week or month. And as I don't know about many business, but I tend to see this is like your decision-making change from day to day. So it's very difficult to convince the team to really give you a forecast of even one week ahead when they are not sure what is gonna happen. But without that provision, we cannot forecast. So this kind of balance is something we were, it's like a one of the effort we were making. So going from there, it's like there are some um, bigger projects that about model development. Then once we have this model, how to deliver it? Like it's a, it's a project that in the end, we want to benefit the business, right? Then how can the business really use and take advantage of it? We cannot give them a Jupyter notebook or a PyCharm Py file to, for them to use. They don't understand. <laughs> so how to build a web app so user can enter and fine tune one or two filters, parameters, then they get the result they want. So that also includes web app deployments and uh, so, uh, a lot of more things coming up. Mm-hmm. At the beginning- Were you trying to do this all by yourself at the beginning? I'm about to explain. So at the <laughs> beginning, the machine learning, like module building, I was enjoying it because I also enjoy coding very much. But then at the moment of delivery, it's like, I really have no idea. Like I totally skipped my data engineering class in school. Well, I you didn't had think that. data engineering class. Yeah, cool. like I didn't think it was important at all. <laughs> but <laughs> now it comes the time I regret, and then I start seeking for help. At the beginning, like when I had my first hire, is more about because we have a lot of demand for dashboarding. This still is like one of the main main task that we are dedicating to. So my first hire is actually a data analyst. He's not an engineer. And then I was seeking help from my previous professor to or some existing solutions in the market that, you know, like it's like plug and play and then you can get your information. I tried, but in the end, as the model just varies a lot and the data source and the data output is very different, it starts to go beyond my capacity. And asking for help, meaning I need to wait because they are not part of a member of our team, right? Then it's very fortunate that the management also like grew enough trust in our team that we can have the capacity to hire a data engineer, which is totally a game changer. So from here on, we are, moving more freely and then the team like the analytics can focus more on the analytics side and the back end we have an engineer to give us a lot of care and information which is mm-hmm. which is really good mm-hmm. yeah. so basically the first person you hired uh, was a data analyst uh, to help mm-hmm. you create dashboards but then you realize that you have a lot of data that you need to you need to have a lot of historical data that you need to process you need to store somewhere and this was quite difficult for you even though you like coding and uh, you also said uh, you you ask for help but uh, this was taking forever so that's why you hired yeah. uh, a data engineer right and then from that point uh, you 
yeah. you had your data warehouse, right? And now building models became. Yeah, I actually was able to configure the data warehouse and uh, with mm -hmm. like Stitch, I was using like the options in the market. And I was very proud because I'm learning a lot, but still not enough to keep pace with the growth. Mm -hmm. And then just to finish up the flow, then later the next step, we hired another data scientist to grow more in-depth, bring more like statistical model building, more in-depth data knowledge to the team. And then we realize, you know, as our company is not really, you know, AI machine learning driven, it's more about everything, analytics serving business to provide insights. So having this side of business communication is very important. And as a data team, we need to work really loud because if we do not tell the team what we are producing, the tool is developed, but they just sit there, no one use them. And we are just wasting our time and energy. So we, the last person who incorporated our team is called a business analyst slash data researcher, whose main job is to communicate from our team to the business side. So we'll publish like a weekly five bullet newsletter. It's like a quick image graph to show business insights and the updates of the team finishing with a meme. So, and then some workshops we're doing with the company to introduce our latest development. So that's the current project mm -hmm. picture. And we're, we're looking to grow it more this year. <laughs> that's Next interesting, year. especially the last role you mentioned this business analyst slash data researcher. So the problem you had there when you were growing your team, you realized that, uh, you know, you have these tools, you have these dashboards, you have these web services, but people were hesitant to, to use them or what was the problem there? Yes, so we, a lot of, a big part of our OKR of the data team is to build data culture. And we realize only we putting the data part very advanced is not helpful. We need to also move forward with the whole team. And that effort, since everyone is so busy with the day-to-day -day workflow, no one is doing it. Like giving a presentation is diverging the data scientists from their daily workflow and it's something they are not 100% interested in. So we realize we have the need for this role. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. data scientists uh, should be doing this, but uh, that's not uh, the main focus. They would yeah. rather spend time uh, mm -hmm. doing models. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. is more data scientists, if they pass on knowledge, share information, it could be more within the team. Like, but then to communicate with the business side, answer stakeholder questions, it's yeah, it's a different profile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that's quite interesting. So you have a data analyst, you have a data engineer, you have a, a data scientist, and then you have a business analyst, and then you as a, yeah. a lead of the team, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. five people in total. Mm -hmm. Did I miss anyone? Or? No, no, okay. but. Maybe soon we'll, uh, we're looking for more profiles. <laughs> uh -huh. Can you already share what kind of uh, profiles are you looking for? What kind yeah, of roles? We're looking at the senior analyst. Uh -huh. So you, the analyst needs uh, some help. Yes, yeah. It's more about growing the team and the kind of grow bigger vision and have even more ambitious goals. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, uh, you mentioned uh, you did your master's in Barcelona, right? And mm -hmm. then after graduating, you started with this position, right? Or was there something in between? No, I was working with Global while I was doing ah, my master's. Right, right. So Global. it yeah. started, yeah, it started yeah. as an intern, then full time. Mm -hmm. And then 
for some personal reasons, I had to leave for a while, then I joined mm -hmm. Yeah, because I'm wondering, uh, that sounds like a lot of, um, you know, responsibility being the first data person, right? So you, you really need to know a lot to be able to be, I don't know, useful, right? So yeah. you need to know things about like processes, how exactly you collect data, how you get insights from data. Um, you already knew this from Glover, right? Or you um, had to learn most of this stuff. Yes, I don't think you necessarily need to know a lot. It's rather you should be ready to learn a lot. So when I joined the job, as I said, like I have no idea. I need to do ETL, ELT, mm -hmm. data warehouse, engineering, web app deployment. Yeah, this all this kind of thing I learned ago. Mm -hmm. well, I hope you at least kept uh, the slides from your data engineering course and then put uh, go through <laughs> them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to say I was more doing research to search for the new products because mm -hmm. the the space is changing so fast. Like materials from two years ago might well be outdated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess uh, since you don't have a large team, most of the solutions you use there, uh, so you're not building them in-house, you use uh, some yeah. off-the-shelf solutions. Exactly. Like, mm -hmm. So what, what kind of stack are you using? So we, as I said, we started with Stitch mm -hmm. and we are on GCP. And in terms of data engineering, the process we are using DBT. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of visualization BI, we're using Google Data Studio. Am I missing something? Uh, and I think one thing very important, how do we deliver to a business is we build an internal wiki for data. So we have a notion where we detail all our analysis and track our workflows to present links of dashboards and everything to the company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's interesting, thanks. So uh, actually before, um, when I was preparing for the interview, I took a look at your uh, LinkedIn profile, and then uh, there was a line for the current uh, your current job that was saying that your responsibility is building a leading data team to provide accurate, timely, and useful insights to empower the company to make the best decision possible. Mm -hmm. I think that's a quite a packed sentence, and uh, yeah, so I was wondering. Mm, if we can a little bit decompose it. So there are many, many different parts. And I think like every word here means a lot. And I'm mm -hmm. interested to, to know what exactly um, you are doing there, because I, mm -hmm. I think every, every word here sounds very interesting. So let's talk a bit about this and decompose. So uh, maybe we can start with building and leading data teams. So how, mm -hmm. I think we already talked about this to yes. a large extent, like how exactly you realized that, uh, uh, you know, who um, we need and also in which order. Um, maybe the question I have is, um, let's say if you needed to do this again, <laughs> would you uh, hire people in the same order or what kind of order you think is a, a good one? Very good question. So actually I would say, no, I would change. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and first of all, when I did my first hire, I have to say I always participated in talks to encourage women to overcome the imposter syndrome. It's like, but I think I was suffering from a little bit of imposter syndrome, even though I was very sure that I can build a team and I can achieve my great things. 
But when I asked for help the first time, I was a little bit shy. I was thinking I'm still at the phase of proving my value to the company. I couldn't just ask for a very senior profile to join me immediately. So my first hire was a junior analyst, which proved to be a very helpful and a very talented asset to the team, but it's not usually the case. So after this, I also have talked with many data leaders, especially at the beginning phase of the team development. It's very important to have senior people on hand, especially think about you are setting a foundation and in the future development, everything is built up from what you said initially, right? There are some changes, but many things are built up from here. So be willing to invest and bring some really like more experienced people on the team in the beginning could be good. Although I think I'm very lucky in the sense my, my, first, my first hire was still very talented, bring many good insights and then like be brave about hiring engineer when when it's needed. Like it, it really solves a lot of problem and headache that like it took me days, but for them it's like a matter of hours to to resolve. Yeah. So in which order would you hire first a senior analyst or uh this engineer? really depends. This depends on the company, right? If your company is very like there's a lot of data infrastructure, then engineer first because Personally, I can do analytics, so that part I'm not too worried. But then if it's a business-driven position, actually, I would do them both, both together. <laughs> Engineers mm -hmm. are important. <laughs> okay, so mm -hmm. uh, the only challenge now is to explain the management uh, that you need two positions and then ask for budget for two people. Especially yeah. if you're asking for two senior people, mm -hmm. uh, then maybe it's a tough, um, uh, uh, a tough one to... You know, to yeah, get yeah. To, to solve. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, interesting. So you would hire a more experienced analyst, like maybe a senior, somebody is a senior, then uh, a data engineer, maybe at the mm -hmm. same time, both, and yeah. then a data scientist, right? Or would you yeah. hire maybe a business analyst uh, or only at the end? So if I'm hiring an engineer first, maybe since mm -hmm. the technical side is very well covered, I would do a business analyst because given the property our business is very we're very stakeholder talking with different departments and the business operations so it's important for us mm -hmm. so did, did you say that you would hire even before an engineer or i misunderstood it like the, the I, business analyst together together, together. together. okay yeah. so uh, it means you would hire three people at the same time right <laughs> if possible so, I will be in the team and I will hire a business analyst and engineer. To uh -huh, start. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so the plan, like, let's say if somebody wants to build a team, right? So the plan is they need to find a company who doesn't have a data person yet, right? So they get into this company. So they work hard. They show value, right? They show mm -hmm. that, okay, like um, you mentioned, there are some low-hanging fruits, like you can build dashboards and then you need to do a lot of talking. So you do that, you build dashboards, and then the management sees that this is very useful. And then you start convincing uh, them to give budget for more people. And then you hire a business analyst and a data engineer, right? And mm -hmm. then you hire a data uh, data analyst, right? Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and then data you hire scientist. a data scientist at the end. Yeah. I have to say this all depends a lot on what business you're in mm -hmm. and what projects you have in mind. If mm -hmm. all your projects are about building dashboards, then no need for, well, 
some need, but no dire need for engineer, you know. Mm -hmm. But if you're developing more in-depth analysis, publishing web app, or there's more data from different sources coming in, then yes. Mm -hmm. And the data scientist is first because uh, probably there are a lot more work that uh, should happen before a data scientist can join, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. But um, for you, I think you mentioned that uh, this demand forecasting project, it appeared uh, quite soon enough, right? Uh, or... Yeah, mm -hmm. actually, that's one of the first thing I worked on when I joined mm -hmm. the company, because that was a pain point of the business. It's like, how much are we going to sell? How do we manage the workflow, you know, of the warehouse? So mm -hmm. I started with it, that, but it's proven to be not easy at all. <laughs> so up to this day, we're still in the iteration and develop further development of the model. And uh, yeah, like one of the components, as I mentioned, is like how to get the provision of data from all the business components. And that's proven to be a little challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, does it mean that for some, uh, so this demand forecasting sounds like a machine learning program, pro problem, yes. right? So this mm -hmm. is something you solve with data science, with machine learning. But I guess in many cases, this is something that an analyst can solve, right? So you don't need a, a data mm -hmm. scientist who goes, uh, um, you know, with a lot of machine learning, but more somebody who is, uh, who is more yeah. on the analytic side who can analyze the data and then build a simpler model, right? Yeah, yeah. We, when I asked for a data, when I was looking for a data scientist profile, it's nothing about like hardcore data scientists. Mm -hmm. It's more about who has, who can do a little bit of basic analytics BI and uh, has a passion for developing models. And that for us is proven to be sufficient. Mm -hmm. So would you require your data analysts or would it be a nice to have quality for data analysts to know some machine learning or to, so, to know some um, you know, time series modeling? Mm -hmm. I would say so. Like a, it's a test, you know, people who are in data they got into the field, naturally they, they know machine learning and they grew some interesting developing models. So it's like a proven of passion for me almost. It doesn't mean they've done like a, a hundred projects in it, but it's like they show they are willing to learn and to develop that curiosity is, is good. Mm -hmm. And I think is uh, at least my impression, so I don't work as a data analyst, but my impression is that analysts deal a lot with time series data. Like all these dashboards, most yeah. of the time, this is time series data. I don't know, mm -hmm. like profit or losses or I don't know, some KPIs. And then sometimes uh, somebody comes and says, how this will, will this KPI look like in three months? And then mm -hmm. uh, here you go, you have this uh, time series problem, right? Yeah. So did it happen to you as well? Well, I think our business stakeholders has been more understanding because they know we are not the one who are deciding that. We, our job is really to help monitor and say, but like we are more looking at historical information. For example, we had a promotion on free shipping and we understand from historical data that free shipping help to increase certain percent of our conversion or web performance. So next time one business has a goal of increasing conversion or web performance, we can propose that as a solution and give them an estimate about how much difference do we expect to see. But we never tell them we're going to be here or there. It's more about giving advice because mm -hmm. in the end, it's like 
if we run a marketing campaign, every time it's going to be different. And the successfulness of the different campaigns matters a lot. It's about our creativity, the timing, how we communicate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks. Um, I have a lot of questions that I <laughs> didn't send you in uh, this list of questions that I prepared. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the question I have is... Uh, um, so I'm wondering what kind of qualities you need to have as a first data uh, person. Like, uh, should you be more like on the analytics side? Should you be more on the engineering side? Or does it even matter? Um, what do you think? I think to start, I'm the one with more analytics mm -hmm. profile. And I don't, I think the most important thing is I kind of, I align with the business stakeholder what do we want to do with the data and how you can really help the business and with that being said i would argue that business understanding is actually the most key component especially you're leading the leading the team right and then willingness to learn and learn fast because just there's so many things changing and if you're growing a department finding talents i need to hire an engineer where i have zero engineer knowledge imagine so it's like a lot of things I need to dig into and prepare myself for. So, yeah, I guess. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, as you said, the most important thing is aligning with business stakeholders, yeah. which is more like about your communication skills yeah, uh, sure. rather mm -hmm. than anything else. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I, I think analysts are, in general, uh, better in this in communication than engineers. At least this is my observation from uh, you know my colleagues and former colleagues that mm -hmm. analysts are more into communicating than uh, than engineers, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So probably somebody with uh, analytical and communication skills would be a better first hire, uh, first data person, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And just to to really understand what business needs from the data team before yeah, starting building things. Imagine if you want to start a, a data team, it doesn't. Usually it doesn't limit to one person and mm -hmm. you need this one to lead and grow the team. They need to have this leadership assets rather than technical assets. It's more important to, for them to know what profile, what technical skills can I bring the team to complete, to achieve our mission rather than they have the skills themselves. So it's like overall big picture is very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks. So mm -hmm. let me again repeat the sentence from your LinkedIn. So we already talked about building and leading data teams. And then next is to provide accurate, timely, and useful insights, and then to empower the company to make the best decisions possible. So now I'm wondering about, uh, so I want to ask you about this, to provide accurate, timely, and useful insights. Mm -hmm. So um, what do you mean? Like, why does it even matter that the results are accurate, timely, and useful? Yeah, so accurate, it's something I, some error I committed while developing a data team because, you know, sometimes you're just very happy that your dashboard is working and you can finally show, show something to help the business. But what you don't realize is the seem, seemingly working dashboard is showing wrong data. And then that, that is very troublesome. That could be some of our data source got broken or when the team is updating information, instead of a dot, they put a comma and then the reading got like a thousand times different. So that maybe that changed our product price or product cost. 
and that totally mess up the whole dashboard information we are conveying, right? So what so, kind of uh, uh, consequences are there when uh, something like that happens? Mm -hmm. So I have to say, luckily, all of this, well, the error we committed was discovered by our business departments first, instead of they use it to make business decisions. For example, the product cost or the, the our profit margin is like all of a sudden it shrink a lot because business, like from the operational team, they put the product cost to a very big number because of the comma dot difference, you know? And then the business, like, what did we do wrong from this day on and all of our profits are gone and it's, should it be a business emergency? But in the end, we figure out it's the fault from our side. So mm -hmm. from that incident on, I couldn't say I, it, was, it just happened once, like different errors that I couldn't, I wasn't able to foresee happen. And I realized how important data accuracy and to reduce data downtime is. Mm -hmm. So from there on with the engineer and different analysts, we really focus a lot on the, our information updating maintenance and the regular check. Before it's some area that I would ignore a lot, but now you realize that keeping things, developing things is cool, but keep things working and delivering correct information is even cooler. So it's mm -hmm. even more important. So accuracy for that. Mm -hmm. So did you have any uh, trust uh, problems like uh, from business people that, uh, you know, they see that dashboards have errors and, uh, you know, they say, okay, yeah, maybe I shouldn't really uh, trust this dashboard. I'll just, uh, you know, do my own thing without relying, relying on data and make decisions without using that. Uh, mm -hmm. Or you didn't so, have to deal with this. Yeah, as this happened, definitely there is frustration, no? Like businesses are really, initially they think you're great, you're offering them great tools to make decisions upon, then, re then they realize it's not reliable. Of course, there's frustration, but it happens. Like no one do not make mistakes. And the, as we are developing the team, it's also the things we're learning on the way. So what we did is we really took it very seriously from there on, we developed, uh, like we did research, consulted on the people in the area. So we developed like a white paper, like a, playbook for internally for our team to ensure data accuracy and to improve data governance. And from here on, we also like just be very open about what error we've made because of our ignorance and then what policies and solutions we're gonna present in a, for the next steps so that the business and us are all aligned and they're also very understanding. Mm -hmm. So basically you try to be transparent. You say that we made this error Mm -hmm. um, there is some mistaken data we're working on fixing it right yeah mm -hmm. okay and uh, yeah so you mentioned playbook i don't know how sensitive this information is about this playbook but if it's not maybe you can tell us in a few words what kind of uh, what is it there in this playbook oh we are updating it like here and there but you know as the error i mentioned is we need to educate each team how to input information and then from our side, it's like multiple dimensions from the team who is offering us the information. We need to create guidelines and communicate with them. And then that is not enough. From our side, when the data gets input to our data warehouse, we also need to do tests and checking. 
So that's also one of the reasons we started using DBT is because we can do a lot more testing to ensure the data is reliable, there's no outliers, there is no malfunctionality or downtime. Mm -hmm. So you rely on DBT for that or there's there something else you also use for data? Mostly DBT. Changes? And then in terms of downtime on dashboards, before we never have the regular check from the team. And now like on a regular basis, we'll have team members to dedicate a certain amount of time to go through dashboards to identify if things are working. Uh -huh. So basically it's uh, more like a manual process uh, right now. Right? Yeah, there is... I, at least I haven't found better solution. And mm -hmm. if anyone has better idea, I'm, I'm all ears, but so far that's the most e efficient way we can find. Yeah, I think we only talked about one word, uh, accurate, right? But there are two more. So yeah. there are accurate, timely, and useful. So let's talk yeah. about timely. So why, being, so why insights should be timely? Why is it important? Well, time is, very key you know, on information transmitting. Like you, in the stock market, you know, information one, one, one second ahead, 0 0.01 second ahead, you can win the game. Like, so this is the true, especially as your business is fast growing from many different areas from monitoring the business house. Like you can identify the error if there is a conversion drop, drop from the transaction to from cart add to cart to transaction, you know, maybe there is some technical problems going on because usually that's the stable metrics and you can fix it before customers start complaining and you start losing profits. Yeah, so then, you, if there is an error in the buy button, right? So if it doesn't work, you want yeah, to yeah. find this out as soon as possible, right? So you don't want to find exactly. uh, this out two days after uh, it broke, right? Exactly. And then... Well, another thing, just to give an example, before when the business don't have timely and visibility, for example, the warehouse, if we are outsourcing our warehouse and if they are not having enough staffing to deliver all the orders we have, we receive every day, customers will become unhappy. And then, okay, after five days, maybe from seven days, 10 days, it's still quiet. But then customers start canceling their orders. They start leaving bad reviews on Google. These, we are very passive. If you, as a business, you don't have visibility about what is happening in terms of operation on a timely, timely mm -hmm. manner, right? Ah. Then, so that this is another thing, like business health monitoring and operational monitoring. Uh -huh. then, so for, for this, uh, sorry, I keep interrupting you. Uh, yeah. So for this, uh, Warehousing. So you said uh, that uh, you have uh, you outsource this. You have a yeah. partner for dealing mm -hmm. with this, and you can't always control perhaps um, how uh, long it takes. And for you, it's important to have visibility that sometimes things take uh, longer than five days. And you do this by um, collecting the data. And when you see that something takes, uh, let's say. 10 days or more, then you see that you have a problem, right? Or mm -hmm. when you see that there are bad reviews coming up somewhere. That will be too late. But so that's okay. why we need yeah. to monitor before that happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Okay, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. I understand. Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, the next thing I was going to say, well, I lost my thought a bit. I think it's just like in general, in 
for example, you launch a campaign, right? You wanna, it's a campaign lasting for one day and you couldn't really wait for end of the day or after a week to see the result. So timely measurement here also means, okay, once you air this ad, does the traffic really start coming in? Is it effective? And one of the things is we have campaigns on TV. And I don't know if anyone is in the attribution model developing area, you, you understand TVs, not measurable. Well, at least not easily measurable. So to track the performance, you have very specific spikes in your time series data. And if you don't have this timely measurement, you cannot discover. Do you also have um, banners like in real life? I don't know, on uh, bus stops or somewhere? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and how we do you recently measure... had a... Yeah, I'm yeah. wondering how you measure, how do you do market marketing attribution in this case? So actually we benefit from that we created a brand that we have a lot of customer engagement. Mm -hmm. So whenever we launch service, we have the, this community who are very happy to give us feedback and information. And uh, for customer purchase, after purchase, we usually ask them, where do you hear from us? And whenever we have different campaigns going on, we tend to add them as one of the options. So it's mm -hmm. like sampling our customer for some mm -hmm. ideas. Mm -hmm. So the options you have there is TV, uh, banner on a bus stop and- uh, Instagram, Instagram, YouTube, social, all the channels. <laughs> okay, okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're not doing this, I guess this is your uh, marketing team is doing, but your role here is to um, have a good overview, have dashboards that show the performance of this, right? That you. This actually goes much beyond dashboard and is one mm -hmm. of the biggest projects about attribution model development. All right. So it mm -hmm. involves a lot of uh, models as well, right? It involves a lot of data source identification, merging, cleaning. It's a big project. And mm -hmm. we are delivering in a web app. So people mm -hmm. under. Oh, page HTML, and then they can choose and select the mm -hmm. time information and they get the attribution. Yeah, so that must be quite a challenging project, right? So yeah, far. but it's a lot of fun the moment we figure out some, some ideas about how to tackle it. <laughs> okay, cool. Mm -hmm. And then the last word, time. Uh, so we talked about accurate, timely, and then useful. So well, why useful? Why does it matter? Yeah, because I think data, when you're in a technical area of the, like, you could be very detached with the business. You say, ah, I, we should use NLP. NLP is very cool. Like, we should get all the text information we can get from the company and then develop something fancy algorithm. But then you realize the business don't really need it and you're just spending your effort developing something that's going to be hidden in the corner of the website. So, I think this alignment with business is super, super key and developing, we have a very big product mindset. So every project we're doing, no matter, no matter it's like a very simple task or to a big project that lasts months or even years to develop, we, every step of the phase, we deliver a product that can, business can interact and use, then they can give us feedback. So it's very key for us. Our mission is to serve the business and it has to be useful. Mm -hmm. So I guess it also goes back to having this uh, business analyst uh, role, a person who makes sure that uh, you know the team is working on something that matters. Yeah. Right? And uh, yeah. Um, I guess there is also some educational component, uh, like how now you have a dashboard, 
how do you show that this is useful? To yeah, people? totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how do you actually show that? Like, how do you you yeah. build a dashboard? You know it's useful. You know that you can make a lot of useful decisions mm -hmm. on top of that. So, how do you go about convincing then the uh, I don't know business operations team, uh, like other teams, uh, to base their decisions on these dashboards or on, yeah, on your services? Yeah, very good question. Yeah, like for encouraging team to use your product when it's like something new, it's difficult because not everyone's early adopters eager to see more things about data. You know. So what we did is we are doing a lot of workshops and uh, like in, informal sessions on data to the company to build data culture. And at the beginning, we we're doing it more in a lecture way. It's like, oh, here's our new development dashboard. Here you can find A, that page you can find B. And if you have a question about C, you can find it there. We realized, even though after the session, people come back and ask our, for us informations that they can find in the dashboard. So we're like, this is not effective, like people are not really listening. So what we did is now we changed the session to Q&A format. It's like, okay, now we have this question, where should we go? And give people some time and to answer. And then people can guess whatever, or they find the answer. And then we show them the path to find the solution. So mm -hmm. that is proven to be much more effective and you catch more attention and people engage better. Mm -hmm. So from this step to step, we're building the data culture mm -hmm. and yeah, many things like that. And this is something you really need to know well as a chief of data. So you need to make sure that the results are accurate. So you, you need to make sure that there are quality checks timely. You need to make sure that there are no delays in data, right? And useful. Mm -hmm. You need to make sure that there is adoption of your data product, of your data services that people use. Not only use them, but also understand when to use them, right? And uh, they are eager to use them. Mm -hmm. So these yeah. are all things that you need to take care of, or you and your team, right? Uh, yeah. to, to do this as chief of data. That's a lot of work, right? Actually, I would say nothing that tires me because I, there is a lot of things going on within a team, but one of my leadership motto is that I need to give ownership of all the projects to everyone who is doing it. What, so that really helps, right? As a leader, especially your team is growing, you cannot micromanage and hold hands with everyone in the team. That really drains you out. But if you are... Like if you guide more on the direction and uh, give everyone ownership of the project and uh, give them enough resources or encourage them to find whatever resource they need to complete it, then my job here is only to, at their service, whenever there is a trouble they cannot solve themselves, I help them, I step in to help them troubleshooting. And it ends up like everyone is doing it much better than I would have done myself. And uh, we are all contributing as a team. So mm -hmm. that way we are moving quite fast and I don't feel exhausted or tired at all. <laughs> but at least you know that these things are important and you communicate also this to your team. And yeah, they, totally. Uh, then of course you don't go there and implement this in DBT yourself, probably somebody else is doing this, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I do spend a lot of time doing research, keep myself updated with the industry trend and talk with professionals to know okay, what we have this problem because in the end, I'm communicating with my team whenever there is a blogger. So we have this blogger, we cannot really solve it at the moment. How should we do it? Mm -hmm. 
it's more of my job. Yeah, I think we managed to cover only half of that uh, sentence so far. <laughs> and I see okay. that uh, we don't have a lot of time left and uh, there is a question. So I thought maybe we uh, go to the question from Bayram. Uh, so the question is, what resources do you recommend to be successful in the path of starting as the first data analyst and leading the team? Like books, courses, programs, tools? Hmm. I actually think Slack communities is so far my favorite source to get input. For example, Data Talk Club and then where I met Alexi is in the Slack community, Locally Optimistic. There are many groups. Personally, I'm, if you have time, great to do a course and follow a long book. I like more module um, information and then I like to see in real life how it's happening. So with this kind of community, there are people asking questions, seeking advice all the time. And whatever is on your mind, you can just publish there. And there is for sure some people who have gone through the same thing or who know some, some information will share with you. And then in this kind of chat setting, you can even write to people you like, I'm very interested in this kind of content. Can you have some guests uh, or reach out to someone on LinkedIn? So I'm more interested in the community aspect and I like to reach out and talk. Mm -hmm. and yeah, that's actually yeah, a few people from the Data Talks Club community reached out to me saying, hey, I have this problem. Can you invite somebody who can talk about this specific thing and this is yeah. really cool so please do that so if somebody is listening and has a problem mm -hmm. that you want to solve uh, or get some inspiration please do reach out and i think to, for you it was also be interesting right because you also have a podcast right so yeah, it's also, mm -hmm. um, so yeah maybe we can spend a couple of minutes talking about your podcast so what is that yeah sure my podcast is called data for future and we are doing interview style to to for founders, professionals in the space of data and sustainability, because I do believe as the data magic, you know, it helps with so many things and the sustainability is one of the biggest challenge we're facing right now. And I'm actively looking for people to spread ideas, get inspirations and more than anything to curate a community to talk about this subject matter and uh, maybe to inspire more actions. Mm -hmm. And to what did you see there? Why, why did you decide to create? So there, I guess there are not so many podcasts about sustainability and not, not many communities about that. Yeah, uh, to be honest, uh, the community about sustain sustainability is pretty big, but, uh, but the cross-section and... between data and sustainability yeah, right. is not. So actually that poses as a challenge for us either to find more profiles in the space or to find more audience who echo with us. But we do believe there's a huge potential. And for now, really the mission is for to learn like for myself the biggest gain from it is i learned so much and i get to know many cool people to build this community and a network mm -hmm. i see a comment in uh, youtube uh, live chat from data dev saying that uh, they followed your podcast data for future so that's yeah, cool. cool. <laughs> awesome. Thank yeah, you. Please, uh, everyone else also do that. Spotify, yeah. Apple Podcasts, whatever you use. So do that. Um, we have another question from Bayram. So how do you support your team members if they are stuck at some problem? So let's say they're working on an NLP model and 
we are stuck, they have a problem, and you yourself do not have the knowledge yeah. to help them. Yeah. So how, how do you support them? I think that's one of my strengths. It's like, I don't know the answer of everything, but I know where to find them. For example, <laughs> one Google. night, first, yeah, Google is always the first source to turn into. And then, as I mentioned, community is, these days, a lot of the questions I don't know, I post in, for example, locally optimistic. And then people with a lot of experience, they give me really good resource and advice. So it's one of my go-to area. Then for everyone who is learning, maybe you come from a bootcamp or a master background, all your professors, your network can help or just read books because at our level of expertise, unless you're like super, super top notch, all the questions you're facing, someone has already suffered from it, find a solution, and there's already very well established solution out there. It's a matter of, as I always tell my team, you need to be resourceful and know what question to ask. Even the same, let's say everyone has the same access in Google, but some people know how to ask the right question and they get to the solution really fast. And there's some skills to train for as well. Yeah, I'm wondering how to train this skill. Uh... Actually, for example, if I, I want to start with NLP, I will Google, I'll find community. And if they have events, conversations, I join, I will find my professor for NLP. I go talk with them. Any events, I, I'm all in. Like, <laughs> it's really like talking with people. I discover so much. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you're more, uh, your learning is more driven by the community rather than yeah. uh, by textbooks yeah. and courses. Actually, the course is for sure, but it's like depending on how much time you have and how much dedication. The course is actually is one of the best thing to do if you want to develop more in-depth knowledge. Mm -hmm. Books, I find a little, books, it, it's like, you know, it's a big time commitment and sometimes you get bored if it's, no one is explaining on the side, but some books are really well written and they can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some textbooks are, they have a lot of good materials, but mm -hmm. they are boring indeed. So I remember these books about machine learning that, uh, you know, they're, they are very heavy. So I remember when I was studying, studying machine learning that I had to carry them to the class. That was... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, we should be wrapping up. Do you have any last words before we finish? No, just happy to be here. And I hope this is helpful for everyone. Appreciate the questions. Yeah, how can people find you? On LinkedIn, you can search for my name and then my podcast as well, dataforfuture.org. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'll be here. <laughs> yeah, I think you have a website and then there is some sort of contact form, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, I remember correctly. Okay, so then I guess uh, that's it. So thanks a lot for joining us today and uh, for you. sharing your experience. Uh, for, for telling us uh, how you went through being the first data data person in a company to growing this uh, uh, into a team of five people and now hiring even more people. So thanks mm -hmm. a lot. Thanks everyone else for joining us uh, today, for watching, for asking questions. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, that's it. Thanks, Tammy. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. You too. Bye -bye.